Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. On today's episode, I speak with Patrick Malua about the sacredness of water and how he uses it to essentially protect and give life to endangered animals in Africa. I think, I think it's, it's, uh, for me, I find it a a privilege and also I'm getting fulfilled by, uh, uh, in knowing that I'm trying to do some impact, uh, in my community or in our parks. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast. I am your host, Luis Mujica. I was sick and depressed until I discovered that I could make music, and then my whole life transformed because I began learning how to listen more deeply. Listen to life, to the people around me, and to my body. And that's when I realized that the body speaks through sensations, and learning this new language meant relearning my body and mind. I soon healed myself of many chronic conditions and then began teaching others how to do so as well. Holistic Life Navigation combines nutrition, self-inquiry, and somatic experiencing to help you release stress and trauma just by listening to your own body. This podcast serves as a place to share my experiences as well as the experiences of many others who have healed and are healing through unique, unorthodox, and unusual ways. Your time to learn begins now.
I discovered Patrick on Instagram, actually. Um, and I was just very taken by him. Something in his eyes looked very kind and very empathic. And I was interested in speaking with him. So um, we had a short conversation about his work, um, the Malua Wildlife Trust. And, you know, he was working in um, southern Kenya at the uh, Savo West National Park. And he was watching all these all these water holes just drying up from drought, from um, what he attributes uh, the drought to global warming, climate change. And he would watch these animals who were dependent on water, like every every form of life on this planet, right? He would watch these animals um, be dying or getting sick or sniffing, as he said, waiting for the water holes to fill up again, kind of sniffing for water. And it broke his heart. And he said, you know, how would I feel if I had these you know, humans looking at me and I had no water? I'd want someone to bring me water. So this wonderful man with the few as he says, pennies he had in his pocket, uh, rented a truck, filled it up with water from a water tower, and started delivering this water to the park. Now, we're talking 70 kilometers, which for us in America, uh, 43 and a half miles. So he's driving 43 and a half miles away from the sanctuary and then 45 and a half miles back, sorry, 43 and a half miles. So essentially 90 miles, okay? That's like a two-hour, three-hour trip. Now, he's doing this on his own accord with his own finances daily for quite a while, and then people started seeing what good was coming out of it. They were seeing the animals bathing themselves, the animals getting healthier, the animals being happier, the land thriving more in these sanctuary spaces. And so he started getting investors and donators and supporters. And now I think he said almost on a daily basis, you know, he is uh, moving water to these incredible sanctuaries. And I think what inspired me to have him on my show because I'm a trauma therapist and I usually focus on human trauma. But, you know, I'm, I'm also someone that understands the connection to the earth. You know, when I call myself a witch, I'm not someone that does spells on people. I'm someone who takes their uh, standing orders from the land. I learn from the land. I eat from the land. I give back to the land. The land is my teacher. And uh, I've learned and I've seen how when we become disconnected from our environments, there's like a land trauma that happens, right? Like an environmental trauma where um, we're doing something that seems like it might be good for our, our society, but it's not really giving back to our land. And so we're creating uh, like an illness in a way. And I know a lot of us have experienced that. Um, you might notice it, you know, when you're walking around and you see a big brown plot or um, an abandoned recycling plant or um, maybe even in your own town, there's trash all over the highway that's blowing into your, your creeks and rivers and there's plastic everywhere, 
right? So there's this way that that uh, when when the earth is going through a trauma, it's affecting the people inhabiting her lands. And so I see Patrick as this um, healer, this this man who really reveres. He, as he puts it, um, in his culture, he believes they inherited. The, it's their inheritance is the animals in the land, um, not of ownership, but of taking care of. And we speak a little bit about poaching and how poaching destroyed, and has and still continues to destroy so much of the wildlife in Africa. And so I think it's really helpful to to listen to the episode, if anything, to be inspired by one man's empathy and how it can simply, simply just having empathy can propel you to do something that feels so good for yourself and for someone else. And in that moment, there's this beautiful symbiotic coexistence and symbiotic needs being met it fulfills him it's become his passion his his motivation in life to bring water to these animals and watch them bathe and drink and he's learned from them that through their coexistence of a buffalo next to a elephant next to a zebra next to a monkey that all these different species and different cultures of animals we could say are all brought together by this one source of water. And I've done a lot of personal gratitude and meditation work with water. And often when I'm drinking it um, or bathing in it or seeing it fall, I know that it's it's been um, you know evaporated from somewhere else. And so maybe I'm bathing in rainwater that came from India today. Maybe it's African, maybe it's Asian, maybe it's... Uh, Colombian, maybe it's European. And I really get off on that. It really makes me feel so alive to think how connected I am to every living creature on this planet because we all share water. So um, I think it's just a great uh, meditation and contemplation and awareness of you know, we're here to share these things. We're not here to take them. We're not here to store them away. We're here to share them. And if we have abundance, we're here to share it. And not everyone may agree with that, and that's okay. But um, I find such a, uh, I find it to be such a blessing to share the abundance I have. And I think what really moved me about speaking with Patrick is, he explains in his community of about 3,000 people, um, they have to travel very far to get to a fountain of water that they can take 20 liters back to their family for a week. And he said something like a family of five or six people sharing 20 liters of water. You know, that's, that's pretty amazing. That's five gallons, five gallons of water for five to six people to share for about a week. Now, this same man who does not have running water, who has to walk pretty far to get several gallons for his family through the week, every day delivers thousands of gallons of water to these sanctuaries. So 
it just blows my mind when I get to meet people who um, aren't doing anything for gain, but just from intuition and a sense of what's right and a sense of need and a sense of love. He enjoys this. And as his own family has no running water and his community is working on that, he sleeps well at night because he goes to where there is an abundance of water and he brings it to his land and his animals. And I think it's um, just a really great example of what actual abundance looks like. It is abundance is a mindset and it's about how much you can give, not how much you have. And um, I'm very inspired by Patrick's mindset and what he's done with it. So without further ado, let's hear from the man himself about his experience and how he came to do this work. Okay, Patrick. Um, so I just want to know about your story growing up. Like what, what inspired you to start saving these endangered animals? Well, uh, you see, I, I grew up within a Savo ecosystem. And uh, when I was young, uh, you know, we used to see animals around in our area because where I am, our, I mean, where I live is really, you know, remote areas and uh, that's where I'm born. And also uh, the national parks that uh, I'm working with right now, they are very close to our villages and uh, we just share the same animals. So um, um, what happened is uh, I started after after I completed my school, I started, you know, volunteering in um, uh, Lomo Sanctuary, Taita Hill Sanctuary in Savo, uh, Savo National Park. And uh, when I, I, I mean volunteering, we are doing conservation, like, you know, going to, I mean, for patrols with the rangers, you know, removing the snares mm -hmm. and, uh, and also, you know, um, uh, just... Uh, 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 you know, removing the wires and uh, uh, I, mean, I mean, looking at the footprints of animals and, uh, you know, seeing the general, uh, I mean, overview of the park, you know, so just to make sure that everything is okay. So, uh, you know, there was a time I was, uh, as I was volunteering, uh, it was very dry and, uh, uh, when it came 2016, the same thing happened again. And uh, so I, I decided to, to ask the management if there's any possibility that uh, I can start a movement of, uh, you know, trying to help our animals by just, uh, you know, bringing water to them uh, from the community or from where I could get the water. And yes, the management ag I mean, agreed because... Um, having living there for some time and having you know experienced many droughts uh, you know before, um, I saw a lot of animals die, and uh, yeah. nobody did anything. And uh, you know, it's like uh, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. And uh, you know, because of the global, uh, I mean, the climate change and the global warming, I mean, this thing has been recurring most of the time. I mean, probably we have some rains, like you know, this year, and then uh, I mean, we can't get some rains probably after three years or four years. So I mean, it has been like a norm, uh, you know, of the day. So um, 
I decided to to take uh, uh, I mean water I mean to the animals. So I I used my penny, uh, my penny that I had in I mean in my pocket. I went out. I I had a truck of ten thousand you know liters, and then I brought water I mean to the park, and it was really touching. I mean to see many animals you know coming to drink water because they had nowhere else you know to get water and you know first of all what uh, i mean really touched me uh, and uh, it made me uh, i mean you know bring water it, it's it's uh, i mean i found i mean one day i, mean, I found a, I mean, a buffalo just you know sniffing mm-hmm. at an empty water hole you know it wanted to drink water but uh, there's no water so i asked myself question that uh, if suppose it was me that uh, i need water and i don't have water and nobody to help what would i do of course uh, i mean it is it is death at the end of the day so yeah. uh, then i took that thing as my my passion like uh, it's me you know so um, i mean i started you know bringing water you know uh, like one where do you a get day. where do you get the water patrick where do you retrieve it from uh i'm i'm getting water i'm getting water from i mean there's a place where uh, i mean we have a center for our county taita taveta county where um, our town gets water from and that water comes from very far from you know mount kilimanjaro so mm-hmm. uh i mean it's like you know 70 kilometers away you know mm-hmm. 70 kilometers away from from where i'm getting water to I mean, to the water holes. And sometimes even it's far, depending on like um, which water hole you are taking the water to. So that's where I'm, uh, I mean, I'm getting water from. Yeah. It's amazing. It must feel so good to to bring them yeah. water and watch them just thriving, right? Yeah, because, you know, like, uh, you know, water is life. And uh, without mm-hmm. water, there's uh, nothing that can, you know, thrive on the face of the earth. And also, this is a resource that we are supposed to share, uh, animals and people together, you know. So, I mean, because if you look animals like elephants and buffaloes, I mean, it is you know, purely water. If they don't have water, then uh, even for a day or two days, they they have no life and they will just emaciate. So, yeah, so... Uh, I mean, I started, I started that, and it became something huge because when many people started seeing me, uh, you know, taking water, they they also started, you know, donating, you know, slowly, slowly, and finally, I bought my own truck, and uh, apart from buying my own truck, uh, I, I I also, you know, did, uh, I mean, constructed, uh, you know, several water walls. Uh, I mean, in the park, you know, some are like you know, concrete water pans. Some are muddy water holes, you know. Uh, I mean, I was balancing. I mean, the concrete water pans at the muddy water holes because uh, I was doing the muddy water holes because uh, uh, I mean, animals like you know buffaloes and uh, I mean you know elephants they like you know wallowing, and that wallowing I mean to the mud it's it's very important for them because sometimes uh, I mean they have you know ticks in their bodies so when they wallow with the mud then they they suffocate may all the parasites in the body and sometimes also I just I mean make sure that they I mean there's a concrete water hole whereby they can they can have you know fresh water every time that's so beautiful yeah. and so is it it's specific specifically the sanctuary or is there anywhere else you take the water to like where where do you deliver this water 
Well, uh, it is, uh, I mean, the sanctuary, actually, the sanctuary I was talking about is, uh, it's, it's right in Savo, Savo West National Park. But also, I, I mean, I'm doing in Savo West National Park itself, the, the huge park here in Kenya. And also now, uh, I started also some work recently in Savo, Savo East National Park. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm both because, you see, I mean, we are sharing animals with the sanctuary. Uh, I mean... Uh, I mean, sanctuary and the park. So you can't say this animal is from, you know, this sanctuary, this one, because there are no borders. You know, animals don't have borders. They just crisscross everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I'm assuming that these parks and these sanctuaries are responsible for essentially protecting these animals from endangerment. Yeah. Is that correct? S sorry? Um, are these sanctuaries protecting these animals from becoming endangered? Like, are they, they're a big part of the ecosystem? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, in the sanctuary and parks, we, I mean, they both have, uh, I mean, you know, ranges to, to make sure that they, I mean, they protect animals. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, in, in our area here in Savos, we, uh, we have really tried because uh, the cases of uh, now of poaching, are very minimal, very minimal. And um, I mean, in fact, we have not had any cases, uh, uh, I mean, for poaching of elephants, uh, I mean, you know, recently. But uh, I mean, there are some other calamities, like, you know, natural calamities, for instance, what we're talking about, you know, rainfall, sometimes there is no rainfall. And, uh, you know, animals sometimes are forced to die. But uh, now that we are you know, we are taking, uh, you know, vigil in terms of uh, making sure that we have water every time. That also has really decreased. But also we have some, like, you know, bushfires and stuff. Like, you know, recently we had bushfires. And, uh, uh, I mean, they, I mean, wildfires sometimes are very bad because we lose a lot of animals. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but uh, those are some of the things also we are trying to, uh, I mean, to control by, you know, making... Uh, you know, fire breaks, and also you know, trying to have you know vehicle in the in the parks that can can really uh, you know like the fire you know brigade and stuff like that. And how much? Yeah. How often are you delivering this water? Is this something that happens daily, weekly, monthly? Like, what's the amount of time? I mean, when it is very dry, uh, we do it daily because uh, animals need to drink water daily when it's very dry. But uh, now, like recently, I I, I had a uh, you know donation from India two machines of atmospheric water making machines. Wow. Um, what does that do? That uh, I mean, they make water uh, from the atmosphere. Wow! You know, atmospheric water machines. Yeah. So so one I've installed it in in the park, and uh, this week, as we talk, this week it should start running. You know, I mean, you know, producing water for animals. That's incredible. So what it pulls like humidity and such from the yeah, air. Exactly. Just, that's incredible. Exactly. So that's much more exactly. sustainable than driving everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very How much and also we yeah. And no, no, also we like to 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 um uh, I mean to tap like uh you know uh, I mean, like the rock catchment, you know, we want to do like, you know, I mean, so that uh, the water that is flowing, uh, I mean, you know, during rain season, we can still, uh, I mean, you know, store it. But, uh, you know, it needs uh, some big funding to do that. But, you know, in the long run, that's what we we are thinking to do. That's so beautiful. So how how has it impacted your life to do this work? Like how, how has it changed you or how does it, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
how does it inform your life? You know, how does it feel to have this drive and this focus and be doing this service for the animals? I think I think it's it's uh, for me. I find it a, a privilege, and also I'm getting fulfilled by uh, uh, in knowing that I'm trying to do some impact uh, in my community or in our parks. And uh, uh, as we know, uh, animals are our I mean inheritance here in Kenya. So uh, it makes me feel very good because mm -hmm. at least I'm, I'm doing something on the planet, you know. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. Can you tell my listeners what it means for you when you say in Kenya, animals are your inheritance? What does that mean? Well, uh, uh, from the beginning, when we were young, uh, our parents or our, um, I mean, our ancestors, they used to, I mean, really, you know, respect animals. And uh, I mean, I could say that even even the poaching that uh, I mean, we hear every time, this is something that came um, with the people from the Western world and stuff like that because of uh, ivory, uh, you know, from you know Asian countries. But uh, normally, um, people here really valued animals and. Uh, uh, the only poaching that you could get probably is the small animals like the antelopes, just for meat, you know, sometimes. Yeah. So people used to value animals like, uh, you know, the elephants were uh, were really like, uh, you know, huge animals. And, uh, you know, people used to say that, uh, uh, I mean, these animals, uh, uh, they are from God and, uh, you know, they have some blessings and blah, 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 and all that. And uh, yeah, so, and also people used to value them and say that, uh, you know, this is God given. Mm -hmm. And so they're supposed to be respected like, uh, you know, any other thing, mm -hmm. I mean, any other creature on the face of the earth. But, you know, of late because of, uh, you know, greediness and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, the Western world has, has really, you know, influenced, uh, I mean, some of the African countries um, with money and stuff like that. So then it's spoiled the thing. So uh, for me, I mean, we still have it as a, I mean, we still hold it uh, as our natural, uh, uh, I mean, as our inheritance. So, and uh, we have to protect it. Just like we, me, we try to protect our land. We try to protect the trees around here. I mean, that is how also we are trying to, to do to animals as well. And I just think that's really beautiful. I, I wanted people to hear about your culture and that belief because yeah. it's really important and it's you know I was watching a video um, yesterday. I forget how I saw yeah. it, but it was um, it was a video of a man playing a piano for an elephant, like at yeah. a sanctuary. And I just thought how interesting it was because right the elephant was loving it, and the 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 strange um, duality was that you know yeah. the keys right those ivory keys. So the mm. this this piano this instrument which one of the reasons why you know elephants were so ravaged for their tusks, tusks and such, mm. there was this elephant next to him with um, one of his tusks missing while he was playing the piano, and I, I it was just a, a very um, it was a very stark image, and I just thought you know how mm. interesting that in the Western world, you know my country, and in mm. uh, Asian countries and other territories, we have these things. And yeah. not many people think of where they came from or what happened to create that or what was what was sacrificed, right, or taken mm -hmm. or stolen, you know, however you want to look at it. Um, mm -hmm. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was just so you could inform people, you know, how mm -hmm. that kind of lifestyle or that kind of practice mm -hmm. 
is taking resources from a place that's very beautiful and rich, mm-hmm. diverse. And so I, I appreciate that you're doing your work to, yeah, to thank you. kind of rebuild that. And I, I want us to do our work too. Um, yeah. Do you have advice for people? Do you have like wisdom? Do you have anything you want to share about that protection of these resources? Yeah, uh, actually, um, uh, first of all, I'd like to say that uh, uh, I mean, wherever we are on the globe, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure in Asia or America or wherever, Europe, uh, there's some animals that are, are still existing. And uh, it's very important that we... I mean, we do away with this thing we call, you know, trophy hunting and all that, so that we can we can we can save what we have. Because if we look at the population of animals that was in like a hundred years ago, it's, mm-hmm. it has now dropped by almost eighty percent, and uh, some animals are almost extinct, and some of them, in fact, they're they're not av- available on the face of the earth. So uh, it's good that. Uh, uh, I mean, we leave that you know greedness. We we I mean, we do away with the greedness that uh, you know we have, so that we can, uh, I mean, we can be good example to the generation that is coming, uh, you know, after us, uh, so that uh, I mean they can also see uh, I mean, what I mean we have, uh, you know, and also they can come and appreciate that we, I mean, we preserved the nature and the animals you know, for them. Mm. And also another thing is uh, uh, I take water to be a very, uh, uh, I mean, very vital, you know, commodity, as in uh, if there is no water, then there's no life. I know there are some other countries that they they have a a lot of water and they're wasting water, but they need to know that, uh, uh, I mean, uh, people should not take uh, you know water for granted when you have it because there's some other countries like here where we are, uh, like uh, I mean, in my rural area. Uh, I mean, there's not enough water. You know, there's no running water. I mean, here we fetch water with, uh, I mean, like uh, you know, jerry cans of twenty liters and stuff like that. And also, you know, that water is rationed, so there are no showers. There's nothing like that, and um, and also the water for for the animals, it's 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 uh, it's uh, it's also very difficult, uh, you know, to get. And that's what now we are sharing, you know, people and animals. So yes. I mean, at least uh, you know, people wherever they are. Uh, I, I mean, they could. Uh, I mean, they should. Uh, I mean, you know, treat water uh, in a very valuable manner because every drop, you know, counts uh, mm. on the face of the earth. Yeah. And you really can't imagine how important it is until you're without it, right? Yeah. It's like, exactly. it's like it's in yeah. your experience, you're realizing how vital and sacred and life-giving it is. Mm. So it's mm-hmm. nice for people to hear, looking outside or looking at their lives. You know, how how am I using water? How am I protecting water? Mm-hmm. How do I how do I revere yeah. and treat water? I, I appreciate that. Do you have, in your community, do you have any kind of um, systems of catching rainwater? Do you, are those set up or what is that like? I'm curious. Uh, well, uh, for instance, in our, in our community, we are getting water from, uh, I mean, from uh, like, you know, the nearby hills. We have some little bit of fountains uh, that were from you know, time memorial. And uh, when we were being born, there were some pipes that were, were laid down by our ancestors. And uh, I mean, they still, they still exist now. Uh, I mean, the only thing what we do is uh, just, you know, repairing, you know, stuff like that. But uh, 
Uh, I mean, that is the only, I mean, I mean, catchment that we have. It's only mm-hmm. one catchment that we have. But uh, yeah, we are trying now to improve, just like I was telling you, we want to do like, you know, rock catchment mm-hmm. and... Uh, and uh, and some people, of course, uh, the ones that they ha- I mean, the ones that they have houses out of you know iron sheets. Uh, you know, they are trying to put some gutters so that they can. Mm. I mean, they can be saving that you know raining water, mm-hmm. the little rains that we get. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I want to just sell those off in my house too. I think yeah, it's important. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so we are, we are, we are. I mean, encouraging people to have tanks and all that so that they can they can save the water. Yeah. And so in your community, you said you don't have running water, you fetch your water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, just, like we have, like, a, like, a, I mean, like, I could tell you in a community, uh, we have like, a, you know, some, you know, mini villages, like five mini villages. Mm-hmm. And uh, because the population in my community is almost 3000. So mm-hmm. we have like five mini villages. So, so in every village in every mini village we have uh like a, a one uh, you know i mean tap point whereby everyone from that village small village they go there with the plastic and they fetch water mm-hmm. so like they could get like uh, for instance uh, uh they could get like uh, uh, you know 12 uh, i mean you know jerrycans of 20 liters that could mm-hmm. take them uh, up to like four days or five days so you can imagine uh, a family of six uh, having only like 20 jerrycans for, for five days. That's very little. Very yeah. Little. yeah, it's a lot yeah. of work. But it speaks yeah. volumes for you as a person because um, you yeah. live without running water and you're taking all this time and energy and your own money to bring water to yeah. animals. So it, yeah, it just shows it shows your respect and, and stewardess, stewardship for the, the, the earth, which I really, really appreciate. That's, that's so beautiful. Yeah. How do you know people listening to this who want to um, support your trust? How do they do that? How do they donate? To uh, your- yeah, yeah, we have a like, a, like now we have a link um, where people are sending money through, mm-hmm. and also I have a PayPal, PayPal, PayPal account, uh, and also I have a, like a platform where you know people are sending money through. Yeah. Beautiful. So you can go to the website and find all that. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yes. I just over that. Yeah. Great. Um, is there anything else you want to share with us that we should know or could learn from your experiences that feels important? To you? Uh, well, yeah, well, I think uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, working with animals for some time, I realized that we, we um, uh, you know, people... They don't, some, I mean, most people, they don't see anything good in animals. But uh, uh, I think it is our turn now to learn from animals. Because mm-hmm. when you look at this world, now there's war everywhere, hatred and stuff like that. And, uh, uh, like, you know, everybody, like, you mind your own business. But, you know, when I was giving water to animals, you realize that uh, an elephant is you know, standing here drinking water, a buffalo's there. A monkey is there, another animal is there. So at the same same one water hole, they are like, you know, different animals, you know, taking mm-hmm. water all together. So there's that, uh, uh, I mean, in your unity, or I could say, uh, I mean, there's that love, you know, between animals. Uh, I mean, they're wild, they're wild, they're not like human beings, but, uh, you know, 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, we are learning something from them yeah. you know, as much as their world. Uh, and uh, and now uh, I think it has turned like uh, I mean, instead of, uh, uh, I mean, you know, people being kind uh, now, you know, animals, they're kind to one another. So, uh, I mean, people will be a wild to one another, you know, which is, uh, you know, very weird. Uh, so, yeah, we have to learn. We have to learn from animals now. So that's why it's very important, like, you know, to interact with them and know their behaviors. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we copy their behaviors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think nature has always been my teacher. So um, yeah. I can I can appreciate that. That's beautiful. Um, I, I really want to thank you for the work that you do and, and for coming on yeah. and speaking. Um, it's it's funny because the, the my work is I'm, I'm a trauma therapist, so I do a lot of work around trauma. The reason why I wanted to have you on was because, um, you know, the the earth the earth's resources being misused is a form of trauma, yes. in my opinion. Yeah. And so I, I really see you as like a healer out there doing really good work to help mend that. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to thank you for that and have you on so people could hear that and find uh, gratitude so yeah, in themselves and for yeah. you. So thank you, Patrick. Yeah, you're welcome. So if you're feeling inspired, uh, please donate to Patrick. I know I will be. It's the Malua Wildlife Trust. And you can go and visit and see his work on Instagram at Malua Wildlife. You can also go to the website maluawildlifetrust.org and Malua is spelled M-W-A-L-U-A maluawildlifetrust.org You can donate there and you can donate directly to the crowdfunding link that I have in the episode details. Um, As soon as I'm done recording this, I'm going to go donate. He is 53% there uh, to his goal. Knowing that I get to be part of his amazing life and what he's doing um, fills me up. And see what this episode brought up in you. You know, where do you maybe not appreciate water as much as you could? Or how simple is it to appreciate things? You don't have to donate if you don't have money or don't want to. You can donate your mind and your heart as you're in the shower, you know, sending blessings that the water comes through. Or if you're walking to a a fountain and you're gathering water and you're pumping and the droplets are coming out, thanking that today I get to drink. And I think for us to live um, in a way that humbles us, where the earth gives us what we need uh, versus we take it, it changes the way you show up to life. And when I think of um, holistic life navigation, and healing trauma holistically, again, a big part of our trauma is how we connect and relate to the natural world around us. And so to look outside your window or walk outside and take in the abundance of the natural world and just feel her there, that experience can be so incredibly embodying and empowering and completing enough. Um, you know, I, I used to, when I first moved to Woodstock, New York from, from New York city, I remember, um, my, my wife and I moved on the Platte Clove mountain, which is right on the edge of a really old, beautiful, uh, creek that I guess used to be a river actually. And 
I would walk up the mountain every morning and I would go to the cliff and I would sit at the base of this pine tree that was just inches from, you know, like a 3,000 foot drop off. And I would look at this huge valley and this giant, you know, 150 foot waterfall and, you know, the hawks and the crows and the bear and all these beautiful animals I could see on the walk. I had no money. I was so poor. But I remember never feeling poor. I felt so abundant because life was just always happening. And if you can allow your body to connect to the land around you, you'll feel this um, sense of where you belong. Our culture really comes from our land, uh, our languages, you know, our our traditions, our foods, how we dress ourselves. The land is what has given us our culture. So in this more modern world where, you know, pop culture is a lot about ideas and styles and it comes more from the mind space, I like to travel back into my body and take my body out into the earth and look at the trees and say, hmm, how do I look like them? And look at the water and say, hmm, how does that move in me? And feel the air, right? And think, oh, how does the air feel in my skin? Can I be like the air today and be flexible? And as I do that, I learn so much about myself and I learn so much about my land. And so um, I thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this special episode. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My question for you is, where do you feel the episode? Take a breath and just notice, what's your body doing right now? Sit with it, let it speak to you, and let whatever comes up, come up. And your only job is to listen, for all the wisdom you need is right inside of you. For more information on my work, including my online courses and healing circles, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook, where I share weekly philosophies and resources to help you release stress and trauma from your body so that you can live a happier life. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give in to mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving, as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.